Father, we just want to thank you for this day that you blessed us with. Lord, even as we meditate upon your word this morning, speak to our hearts, Lord. Father, empower us, O Lord, and Lord, transform us a little more into the likeness of your Son. Thank you, Father. Anoint all of us in our our hearing, in our understanding, Lord, even as we go through the scriptures, O Lord, that you would, Father, lead us, O Father, a little more into the way that you want us to, Father, understand your word, O Lord, to know not, not just the content, but to know the intent of your heart, the spirit and the letter of the word. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Anoint us afresh. Anoint us. Anoint us. We need you, O Lord. We need you. I need you. Father, we abandon ourselves upon you, O Lord. Speak to us this morning. Speak to us. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, uh, now we are in a series on teaching. So we're being taught as to how to um, behave. Our behavior is dependent upon our belief. What, belie- what we believe will determine our be- behavior. And therefore, uh, Paul tells Timothy to watch out his doctrine and his life, both. Because the life is a reflection of your doctrine and it has to be vice versa as well. Uh, in other words, your doctor, your life should also be proclaiming doctrine. You have to wear the doctrine. That's the reason why uh, you have been surrendered to the doctrine, it says. To surrender that form of teaching to which you've been delivered to. You submitted yourself to that form of teaching. If you can turn there and wrote to Romans 6.17, that'll be awesome. Romans 6.17. Yes, uh, Peter, today is your um, trial by fire. Okay. <laughs> Romans 6.17 will say, And having been set free from sin, Okay, but, but God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, you don't have to worry, this is fine, this translation is fine, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, to which you've been delivered to, in other words. In other translations, you will use the word. So this is so important. Doctrine is so important. And a life corresponding to doctrine is equally important. And the doc- and that life has to confirm the doctrine so it is a, a loop, okay? So we learn, we apply, and that is the reason why Paul says we don't need ret- uh, letters of recommendation. He says, you are our letter, okay? Written on tablets of heart, not tablets of stone, by the ink of the Holy Spirit, by the pen of the Holy Spirit, okay? That is new covenant. Therefore, he says we have been made ministers of the new covenant, and we have no sufficiency in ourselves. Our sufficiency comes from God. And therefore, and therefore, this is a total different thing. He, therefore, he says the, to the Corinthians, your life has to be a reflection of what you believe, okay? So you've been given all these gifts, and what are you doing? Your life is a total contradiction. And therefore, we need to constantly um, be brought back to the teaching. So, Teaching has different uh, aspects. We've been taught to be old men, young men, etc. But ultimately, if you look at what are we supposed to be living like, okay, we have to be living like him. We have to learn to live as his son. That is the whole idea of doctrine, of the teaching. If you turn to Romans chapter 8, and let's read verse 28 to 30. 28 to 30. It says, and we know that all things work together for the, for good. 
yeah for good to those who love god and who are the word is very interesting who are uh, the called according to his purpose okay the called of god and then he says for whom he foreknew he also predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and verse 30 from moreover whom he has predestined these also he called whom he called these also he justified and those whom he justified he also he them, them also he glorified so ultimately the whole purpose of every situation and circumstance that god has allowed in our lives is to conform us to the image of his son so ultimately we have to learn through the doctrine that we received and through the circumstances that we go through to reflect the life of his son. Okay. Circumstances are going to be difficult for everybody. The saved and the unsaved will go through more or less the same kind of situations and trials. For example, Corona is affecting both the believers and the unbelievers. Okay. But how we respond to the, to, to the crises that God allows into our lives depends upon what we believe as believers. And that will allow us or make us conform to the image of his son. That is the whole purpose of teaching. So that when you go through situations and trials and circumstances, what you will reflect is the life of his son. That is the reason he says, as we should also walk the way Jesus walked. 1 John chapter 2 verse 6 and 7, if you if you will. 1 John chapter 2 verse 6 and 7. <clears throat> he, who, he who says he abides him, ought himself also to walk, just as what? He walked. Enough. Verse, verse 6 is enough. One, he who says he, he abides in him, ought also to walk just as he walked. And that's exactly what happens. Walking becomes difficult. Walking is a step-by-step, one-day-at-a-time process. I think we are having, having a new a devotion which is going to come out and it's going to, it's going to be titled One Day at a Time. It's not one day at a time is walk. It suggests and it uh, depicts a walk. And that walk is not easy. Okay. Um, mount up on wings like eagles. That's easy. He brought us out from the from Egypt on what wings? On eagles wings. Okay. Run and not go weary. And then walk and not faint. Fainting is very difficult. Faint. If you see, I'll come to the word faint very soon. Um, faint means uh, to lose consciousness. Okay. We'll come to that point later on. So this is the whole purpose of teaching. The whole purpose of teaching, if we'll all go through such situations, we'll all go through trials and difficulties, etc. And how do we respond to those difficulties or trials or situations and tests is ultimately going to be dependent upon what we believe. That belief will determine our behavior. And therefore we have to be taught. Right? If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, um, this is when God created Adam. He says, let us create man in our image. Remember that? Yeah. It's verse 7. It says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became or Adam became a living being. Uh, other translations will use the word he became a living soul. Okay. So he was made in the image of God. Right. He was made in the image of God. So what did he have? Whose image did he have? He had the image of his, of, of the son, the son of God, in other words, because he is also called the son of God. How do we know he's called the son of God? If you turn to Luke's gospel, chapter three, verse 37 and 38, this is talking about the genealogy of Jesus, uh, from the line of, uh, Mary, of course, and he goes all the way to some one person, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalel, the son of Kainan, <clears throat> the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of, who's the son of God? Adam was a son of God. 
So he was made in the image of God. He was a direct creation of God. He was supposed to reflect the image of God. So we know that uh, uh, that Adam sinned and he fell short of the glory of God. He fell short of the glory of God. In other words, the image in which he was created, he fell from that image. The what he was supposed to reflect, he fell short of that. Therefore, it says, "All have fallen, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of that glory." The image that they were supposed to reflect, the person that whom they, whom, uh, whom they were supposed to reflect through their lives. They fell short of it, they were marred, and the whole process of regeneration is to recreate you back into the image that the, from where you fell. Okay, The process of recreating us back into the image of sun is what we call as transformation. Okay, Transformation, metamorphosis, Okay, life of a tadpole, <laughs> you know that, right? How tadpole becomes frog, how uh, caterpillar becomes Butterfly, this is all what is called as transformation, is metamorphosis. Okay. The process of recreating us back into the image of a son is what we call transformation. And it is not a one day process. This is what ultimately will decide our reward in heaven. How much of the image of Christ is formed in us will decide the glory we will enjoy in eternity. Okay. Understand? How much of the image of son has been formed in us or rather to what level or to what age Christ has grown in us will decide our glory in eternity. Colossians chapter 1 verse 26 onwards. Okay. The mystery which was, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to her, uh, to his saints, to them willed to... Uh, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of your glory. Now what is the hope of your glory? It is not Vijay in me. <laughs> okay, Vijay in me is going to be total Vijay only. I mean he is going to be Ajay, not, not even Ajay. Ajay means a person who can't be defe- defeated. Defeat. I don't know what. Apajem. Okay. So, which is Christ in you, he is the hope of our glory. And that person has to be formed through proven character, it says in NASB. Through trial, trials and difficulties. Right? And then go on. Verse 28. Him we preach. Whom are we preaching? Ah, Christ we are preaching. Him we preach. In other words, even the doctrine that we are preaching is called the doctrine of Christ. It is what Christ believed in and that is what is being revealed to you. Through the teaching of the word of God. Him we preach. Warning every man. My goodness. In other words, in teaching, in preaching, you have what? Warning. Like Cain had, there's a place called warning and from warning he went into a place called wandering. And he settled there in wandering. Okay, him we preach warning every man and teaching every man. How do you, how do we do it? In all wisdom. So we, what, uh, as preachers, what do we need? Just not wisdom. All wisdom. Sampurna jnanam. Okay. That we may present every man, ah, perfect in Christ Jesus. See, this is the goal of preaching. You know, that somebody made, I think one of my uncles, um, he was, his mission statement in life was, him we preach because my aim is to present every man. You see, we are a corporate body, but ultimately we will stand as individuals before God. 
God gives us as a this institution or this not institution, the church as an organism, organism, so that we can grow up into those individuals who have the ability and the strength to stand before God. You need the strength to stand before God. What do we need? Because when um, John the Baptist and John the Apostle, when he saw God in all his glory, his strength failed. You see, so he says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man. And how do we do that? In all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or complete in Christ Jesus. And then verse 29 is fantastic. To this end, I also labor. And there's a twofold laboring over here. Look at the uh, laboring. Striving according to his working, which works in me. So I strive for your sake. I also strive for my sake. You know, somebody said, uh, how do you build a good church? You know, answer is by building good families. Okay. So the, it's, a, it's a twofold thing. I build a good family so that I can build a good church. And I build a good church so that my children can go to a good church. You see? It's, there's, there's a, there's, there is what we call as a win-win situation. In other words, everybody has a stake in this. Okay, so if I built Peter up, the only way I can build Peter up is to build myself up and also build him. So that he can build me. <laughs> you see, this is, this is a total, that is the reason why Paul will say, you know what, I wanted to impart some spiritual gift unto you so that you may be established. And he says, he doesn't stop there, so that each of faith, each of us might be edified by one another's faith, both yours and mine. You see, that is the reason why he says, I labor to this end so that I will strive with all might so that his working in me will also help you out and in the process you will help me out. You see, that is the reason why like iron sharpens iron, so do the countenance of a friend. Kya baat hai? So this entire process of, 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 uh, uh, hoping to form you has to be taught in the image of uh, image of his son has to be taught that that means we have to learn Christ. What did I say? Ah, Christ has to be learned. How do I know it? Go to Ephesians chapter one and verse tw- four, four verse twenty. Just just verse twenty and then that's enough. Four twenty, okay. Otherwise, if you don't believe four twenty, you will become a four twenty. Charles, it's simple. But you have not so. Learned Christ. Okay. For those of you who are not from this country, 420 means pakka thief. Okay. But you have not so learned Christ. So in other words, the whole purpose of the teaching is to make you learn Christ, which is essentially the doctrine of Christ. Okay. We are in the, because in the process of teaching. So. How is this entire process of transformation into the image of God or the image of Christ affected? Transformation is is made possible by the process called renewal. Okay, The end result of renewal is a transformed man. And it is not an easy process because the old keeps on opposing this process of renewal. We'll come to that point, but let us just establish this. Okay. Why is this important? We'll go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Okay. Before we go to Romans chapter 12, let's go to Luke's gospel chapter 5 verses 33 onwards. Okay. Now let me give you the context of this, uh, of this, of this passage. Now uh, Matthew is at the tax booth. Jesus comes to him 
and he says follow me so levi or matthew leaves everything and follows jesus and after that he gives a fantastic feast and he invites all his co-sinners okay all the people who took bribe along, alongside him he invites so they all come to matthew matthew's house for a feast and everybody has an objection especially the the pharisaical class okay the class of the pharisees they had an objection to jesus going to the house of uh, the tax collectors which are also called publicans i don't know why they call publicans maybe because they are in public service i don't know so they call publicans so he goes there jesus goes to the house of the pharisees and there's jesus is i mean the pharisees are so upset about it and then in order to you know give a religious uh, overtone to this objection they make a they make a statement then they said to him why do the disciples of john fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the pharisees but yours eat and drink where are they eating and drinking in the pharisees house i mean they have an objection to that they have, don't have an objection to eating and drinking per se the whole problem is why is it okay now but we have to put it in a some we have to add some religious veneer to it so we will put it in a different way we always fast why are you not fasting john's john's disciples also fast and your master was the one who endorsed the ministry of john the baptist and why are you not fasting and praying and but you're 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 always eating and drinking now in this context jesus makes a very interesting statement he says and he said to them can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them kya baat friends of the bridegroom you go to a feast in india especially uh uh pelli pelli kelte those days uh, marriages for the function i mean the, the wedding feast was for almost 7 days and if you actually go to a traditional hindu wedding you know the there'll be some ushers their constant uh, refrain is did you eat did you eat did you eat okay coffee dagera tiffin tiffin le sara tiffin tiffin means did you eat your tiffin did you have your coffee bhojan le sara this is exactly did you eat did you eat did you eat is a constant refrain then they will feed you till it comes out of your nostrils in other words if you like a dish don't go to a wedding because by the time you finish the wedding you'll hate that dish because you would have eaten so much of that dish okay and you know uh, there's so there's a there's a there's a dish called burelu in uh, in andhra sister appu makes it that is uh, our taste okay in every wedding they give burels and i used to eat it till it come out of came out of my nostrils and by the time i finished gone okay so the whole purpose of of the feast especially in india i mean especially if you go to eastern weddings their constant refraining is did you eat did you and jesus is using that minds that that setup and he's saying you know what the friends of the bridegroom are here they have come for a wedding feast what will i ask them all the time did you eat you come for a wedding will you say did you fast no you don't come to fast at a wedding baba you come to feast at a wedding and therefore he's saying baba what are you talking about this is oh and bridegroom is here friends are here they have supposed to eat and then go on verse 35 but the days will come kya baat hai when the bridegroom will be taken away from them then they will interesting no they may gado 
for those those people who are a little uh, have a lot of inertia for fasting they will fast they may god they will fast that is the reason why he says in matthew chapter 6 when you fast that means it is it is by default that means you you will fast so when you fast then they will fast in those days and look at like look at the next statement now then he spoke a parable you 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 got the context over here the context is his jesus has gone to a wedding feast i mean sorry he's gone to the tax collector's home the pharisees have a problem they are putting that entire problem in a religious veneer jesus says can the bridegroom and then he throws a parable look at what he says no one puts a piece from a new garment into an old why because the new will shrink and when it shrink it will it will tear the old garment otherwise the new makes a tear and also the piece that was taken from the new does not match the old yes you see these are all you know you think that jesus is a darji jesus is not a darji he's not a tailor but he understands is a new some 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 concept is trying to teach and no one puts new wine into old wine skins or else the new will burst the wine skins and be spilled and the wine skins will be ruined and then he says something very interesting but the new wine must be put in new wine skins so that both are preserved and no one having drunk the old wine immediately desires the new for he says the old that's what i'm saying the transformation is a process is a process which is affected through a process called, called renewal and you have an incredible inertia to renewal because nobody immediately desires the new because our taste buds are still not open that is the reason why many things of the spirit are acquired tastes do you understand okay there are they are acquired tastes many of the vegetables you don't like but you have to somehow acquire the taste it's an acquired taste okay. <laughs> i don't want to use because a lot of people get offended so i just i'm refraining myself okay i'm i'm asking god to control my tongue so if the old is better they will say that's exactly what happened to the israelites what is this manna what is this manna we ate freely freely they ate that's what google did to a lot of people no they nicely gave them food and spoiled their appetites in their offices you see they freely ate they said immediately nobody desires the new because you know what the old man i mean the new old man is always there and he obstructs this process of renewal this transformation therefore it has to be learned and the process of learning by the way by the way there are never conferences there are never going to be conferences on as on how to sin how to sin conferences don't exist okay how to lead lead a holy life those conferences are there by by that only you should know these are all natural things nobody should need to be taught to sin nobody need to be taught to taught to lie <laughs> okay the, so no, people have to be taught how not to lie okay so everything has to be taught all right so so this process of renewal has to be affected and therefore the first principle in order for us to receive this transformed mind is found in romans chapter 12 verse 1 okay 
first principle i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a surrendering of your body is a most important thing i'm telling you no process or anything is learned unless and until we have a genuine we do a genuine surrender of our body in other words body means my mind my ears my ears and my mind both okay have to be surrendered i i i tell tell you something no um when you are in the university the first year the freshman year okay everybody is full of josh especially when i i taught in triplety for 8 years no full of josh everybody and they will hang on to every word that comes from the prof- professor's mouth and they will fight for every mark slowly semesters progress <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know what happens now what the zeal that they had initially slowly it will start dissipating i have seen it you know pratyaksha prasaram basically i saw it right happening right in front because i taught the first years and i taught the third years the first years come to class they'll hang on to every word that you say 0.25 marks they will fight and then you come to third year sir what should be what is the minimum that i should that i should do to get a pass grade gone zeal is over in other words I, and of course there are other other kinds of people who are absolutely focused through the four years so in other words to become a successful in any field there has to be a sustained surrender over a long period of time no for example to become a doctor at least at least 5 years of uh, mbbs se pehle 2 years of struggle for entrance exam that is 7 years already there 5 years mbbs then mbbs is like one driver driver's license in india everybody gets one hmm? so they have to do what we call a specialization okay and it another 2 years of hard work to write an entrance exam for a specialization that getting that is another big deal once you get it almost like 10 to 12 years of only study and the the person to become a real real successful doctor for 10 years has to be sustained effort for 10 years and if you prepare for upsc exam first 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 attempt you will not get for sure very rarely i've seen very rarely very very rarely i've seen people who are in first attempt who get through upsc several attempts you have to be ready to give to qualify it has to be sustained and therefore he says i beseech you therefore brethren that by you present your bodies as a living sacrifice how when do you do that every day of your life over a sustained long period of time which is your reasonable act of service that is the first step surrendering of your body okay so that means how much you eat not just what you eat and how much you eat okay then how much you sleep ee rendu chaala important most two most important things what you eat and how much you sleep you are sleeping and you are eating if god can actually control this i'm telling you know honestly sometimes i feel uh, one of the things that i fight is i have a craving for sugar me especially because i used to eat sweets like crazy when i was growing up my mother my grandmother used to make almost like 1 and 1/2 kilo of uh, mysore pak 
in the morning in the evening 250 grams used to be left <laughs> and what has happened to the rest gone into his stomach he's like unbridled lust for sugar now to give up sugar oof it's a difficult exercise why i was indulging in that when i was when i was growing up sweet tooth sweet tooth you say and because of that you will have all kinds of problems with your dentures and everything you say and our constant uh, what is called law in our home was after meal eat a sweet it's called dessert no finally it will desert you only you see this is so dangerous so c- controlling your appetites and your taste buds right so important right from childhood so offering your bodies as a living sacrifice that's exactly what jesus did he offered his bodies morning by morning it says in isaiah chapter 50 he awakened me and he awakened my ear to listen and i i heard as a disciple he says in isaiah chapter 50 so it's a process okay and then it says next verse verse 2 and do not be conformed to the world but be transformed how by the renewal of your renewal of your mind that you may prove that which is good acceptable so the process of transformation happens through a process of renewal and what are we supposed to be transformed into the image of his son and it says image from glory to glory so that means first glory is grade 1 is one glory grade 2 is another glory phd is another glory post doc is another glory nobel prize is another glory as recently i saw a video a thumbnail of a video actually I didn't see the video a thumbnail of a video nobel minds having a round table conference i said what is who are these nobel minds and i saw it's a round table conference of all the nobel prize winners of that year to sit among those people just imagine what kind of a thing that you must have gone through okay there's a movie called the beautiful mind remember <laughs> the beautiful mind of john nash okay so to sit among them that's a different glory so he says one glory to another glory you have to be keep keep on being transformed and what is that that is the image of his son so for the first step therefore in order to do that is what to surrender your bodies second even as you surrender your bodies there will be a it's a long process as i said right go go to second corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 and if you can put it in uh, niv uh, sorry kjv is very interesting <clears throat> therefore for which cause we faint not <laughs> I, i was looking at uh, the word faint in the dictionary the faint means to lose consciousness the other day there was a very strong man he was doing what do you call a bench up so huh? when you do uh, with your feet bench presses huh? ah bench press he did a 1000 kg bench press press and he felt fell unconscious he was doing a uh, so strong man no 1000 kg bench bench press and he went unconscious okay then i said okay why did he have to do a foolish fellow no no that is that is one thing no he said and he fainted basically left he lost consciousness here he says for which cause we do not faint we faint on meaning this sustained process of going over this long obedience in a single direction boy it's not easy it's going to test every muscle spiritual especially and then he says though our outward man outward man is perishing yet our inward man is what being 
renewed. It's being renewed. But the process of renewal ultimately leads to what? Transformation. Right? But in the process of renewal, there will, there will be trials and situations and circumstances which God will allow. And he says, do not what? Faint. Do not grow weary or don't faint in doing good. Because in due season, you will reap a harvest. If you do not lose heart and do not faint. Both things. So that's why he says, don't lose heart and don't faint. Don't just, <laughs> I finished. Don't lose consciousness. So, so one thing you should be prepared. This is a long obedience and it is going to be anti-gravity. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 and 4. Look at this. I'm not saying this. For we consider him. Who's that consider? Whom are we considering? Who's that him? Jesus, looking unto Jesus. We consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest he be wearied and faint. What? In your minds. Basically, it is a thought process of your mind. In your minds, you should not give up. Okay. You have not what? Resisted unto blood in striving against sin. So, be prepared. It is going to be a, a long process. And don't get weary. So, first of all, you know, Jesus will not deceive. In other religions, they will deceive to put you into that religion. Exactly, especially Islam. They can deceive you. And once you become an Islam, uh, a Muslim, they will say, if you know, do shirk, we'll kill you. Islam is the most peaceful religion. Muhammad was a champion of women's rights. Okay. Muhammad was a guy who abolished slavery. He had the maximum moral slaves, by the way. Muhammad was a man who abolished racism. Really? Most of his his slaves were black slaves. So what do they do? They they use all kinds of these things and they will deceive you. And now we get into the religion and you start reading the religion. I say, Baba, I want to get out. No, I say, you can't get out now. <laughs> if you get out, we'll kill you. Christianity is not like that. Jesus will say, this is what will happen to you. You want to come? <laughs> if any man desires to come after me, let him pick up his cross and follow me. He who puts his hands on the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom. So be, make your decisions right now. I'm not going to decide. Even, even when he is making the first covenant with Israel on Mount Sinai, this is what he says. This is what you ought to do. I brought you out. I brought you out. But this is what you ought to do. This is what you ought to do. This is what you ought to do. Go and ask these people. Are they okay? To, to agree with the, to, uh, to the terms of the covenant. They said, yes, 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 we will do. And then he makes the covenant. He doesn't deceive. Our God does not deceive. So, in order to be made new, therefore, first step, therefore, is to be born again. It is the new, what can be made new? Only the new creation can be made, can be made new. And it's not the old creation. So when we are talking about fasting, what are you talking about fasting? Fasting is not going to make you new. Once you made are made new, then you fast. Okay, this is a whole process. Okay, so therefore, if you turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Look at what it says. It says, "If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation, right? All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new." And then James chapter one, verse eighteen. James chapter one, verse eighteen. Of his own will, he begat us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Got that? 
of his creatures. And then John's Gospel chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. John's Gospel chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. <clears throat> but as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, nor of the will of man, but of God. So that is what he's saying. So first thing, you have to be born again. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. So we know this very well. And once you enter into the kingdom of God, now there's something else we need to do. Let's go to John's gospel chapter 8, verse 31. So how do we learn Christ is a question. First we, first step is what? So offering our bodies and then being transformed. So and how are we going to be transformed? By the renewal of the mind. So what is the one ingredient God uses us Uses us, uses to transform our mind. John's Gospel chapter 8 verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. They believed. Now what should you do? You should abide in my word. Now let, let me tell you something. The word has to abide in us. We have to abide in the word. Both are important. What is to abide in the word? Meaning word, just imagine the word to be your home. A word of God to be a home. Okay. In order for you to abide, meaning to make your home, I mean, your, to, to abide in any, any home, there has to be love and there has to be discipline. So what does the word of God do? It creates an environment of love and it creates an environment of discipline. Both. A lot of people love love and a lot of people, they don't like discipline. Okay, a lot of people like discipline, they don't like love. Both are important. Okay, let me tell you something. We are having uh, our uh, uh, homeschooling now. Homeschooling, uh, tremendous advantage. You know what is the advantage of homeschooling? You can give attention to your children, which they love and they hate. Children like attention and they hate attention. When do they like attention? Oh, so sad. They like that attention. When they make mistakes and you're constantly watching them, what are you doing? They don't like that attention. When you discipline them, they don't like attention. When you show them love and approval, they love that attention. It's a love-hated relationship. With what? With attention. But the word of God is a, is if you consider it as a home, what are you, what are you supposed to be? You have to make the word of God your abode. That is the reason why in Isaiah chapter 33 you will say, Who can dwell in the midst of everlasting burnings? What does the word of God do? Constantly keep burning. You know, in other words, it will be taking off all the dross from your life. So you have to make the word of God your abode, first thing. Second thing, if you make the word of God your abode, next verse he will say, You are my disciples indeed. And then, and you shall, what? Know the truth. That is the reason why one man of God said, just because you have the Bible, it does not mean that you have the word. Just because you have the word, it does not mean that you have the truth. Just because you have the truth, it does not mean that you have all truth. <laughs> this is very important. Just because you have the Bible, does not mean that you have the word. Just because you have the word, it does not mean that you have the truth. Just because you have the truth, it does not mean that you have all truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Just because you have the word does not mean that you have the truth. How do you know that you have the truth? You have, you obey the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. 
And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Therefore, one of the things that we need to do is make ourselves comfortable in a place where there is the word. You know, some people ask me, I'm not, see, I, for, for me, if you ask me any, who is the person who is a false teacher, I don't know. Really, honestly, you know, I, 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 Pastor James has a f- incredible dimensions of understanding. Uh, some people ask me, do you know this person who teaches false te- doctrine? I said, I don't know. I don't know that person. In fact, in fact, if I hear something which is a little, you know, off beat, I just switch it off. You know, because I'm not comfortable there. Somehow there is some kind of a, what do you call as a gyroscope inside of me, which will make me to jump out of it. Okay. So, this has been trained because over a period of time, right from the time when I was growing up as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I was disciplined by real, real godly men. So I know what the authentic is. So when somebody gives me something, something which is false, I just switch it off. I don't even remember that person. So people ask you, do you know there is a doctrine called hyper grace, this grace, that grace. I said, you know what? I will show you what the grace of God is from the Bible. You decide what, what kind of grace it is. Okay. You want to listen to that person or you want to listen to the word of God? It is up to you. Therefore, what are you supposed to do first? You have to create an appetite inside of you which will make you comfortable in the word of God. You understand? You should be comfortable. See, for example, uh, if you want to learn and learn math, you have to grow in an environment where math is loved and taught and spoken about. If you want to learn any, any, uh, if you want to become a good cricketer, whom, whom should you fellowship with? Not with boxers, not with chess players, with cricketers. Okay. Your fellowship. So this environment of, of the word has to be, has to be developed. That is the reason why even in our church, you know, what are we doing? We are creating an environment where you love the authentic word. So even when the false comes, you will say, Yeah, something dood me kuch kala hai. Okay, dood me kuch kala. In other words, you will also know whether it is diluted or not. Okay. Is it diluted milk or real thick milk? You know it. For sure. I'm telling you honestly, I'm not I'm not boasting. So when somebody says something which is a little off, not immediately I'll close, I forget. Control all delete is automatically gone. You ask me authentic teachers, I'll tell you. David Wilkerson, Zach Boonen, authentic, no? Or the cads. Ten shekels in a shirt. Who, who, who spoke that sermon? I forgot. Excuse me? Paris Reedhead. Paris Reedhead. A.W. Tozer. I mean, I grew up on these guys. Now, after you read A.W. Tozer, and you somebody gives you something else, you'll say, no, 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 no. This is wrong. Therefore, you have to abide where? In the word. So that you will know the truth. You understand? Okay. You will abide in the word so that you will, you should know the truth. And he says, you shall be my disciples. And then it goes on. Next verse 33. Look at what it says. Then they answered, we are Abraham's descendants and we have been, never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? You know, they have an objection all the time. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever. Look at this. Look at the statement, my dear son. In other words, if you are a slave to sin, you are a kleptomaniac. What does kleptomaniac means? Habitual sinner. 
Will you be a com- will you be comfortable in a place where you are preaching against stealing all the time? No, no, no. You will try to evict yourself ASAP. I'm not talking about persons who are who are hating, who hate their sin, who want to come out of their sin, and who really, really hate their defeated life. I'm not talking about those people. They might be falling. They might be, you know, getting defeated sometimes in their lives. But they hate their sin. They don't want to continue in that evil habit. So, but there are certain people who are slaves to sin. What do they do? They are, when they are slaves to sin, it says you are free in regard to righteousness. Do you know that? In Romans chapter 6, he, six, six, he says, he makes a statement, he says, as long as you are slaves to sin, in, in, a, in as far as righteousness is concerned, you are free. <laughs> that means you don't want to do, live a righteous life. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but who does? The son does. And verse 36, look at this next verse. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So in other words, the son has to set you free to become a son and not a slave. Understand? Therefore, what is that? This, this, how, how do we do this? We create an environment where the word of God is loved so that you will continue to understand the truths. And when you, even as you take part of the truth of the word of God, you will be continuously being what? Set free from sin. Second, if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. 4. You have not resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. Then verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as what? Sons. Okay. My son, do not despise the chastening. It is a discipline. Now, when you say discipline, there are two times, two, two types of discipline. One discipline is to when you make wrong, to put you back in the right track. So this is what you were not supposed to do, and you did it, so you are flogged. Second discipline is to keep you from being wrong, to make a mistake, or to commit sin. Which is better? The first one is what? When you make a sin, you commit a sin, you are flogged and you are brought back to the straight path. Second discipline is to to take you into a process where you will be kept from sinning. Which is better? Second. That's exactly what happened to Joseph. It says, Joseph was sold as a slave. What was that? First of all, one mistake he made, he was trying to show off his, uh, he f- show, show off his, uh, uh, his, uh, coat. Now today I was uh, doing a devotion with the children. Now they're very smart. No, children are, my goodness, they're very, very smart. So the, 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 the proverb was, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 12. Uh, a haughty spirit goes before a fall. And I asked them, uh, Joseph was like that. Do you think Joseph was proud or was, was he, was he haughty? Was he, uh, was he, was he humble or was he, was he proud? Some, you know, some children said, you know, he was, he was very, very humble. But one, one person, he said, no, 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 no. He was very, very proud because he was showing off his coat. Okay. (laughs) I think he was like six or seven year old kid, six or seven year old kid saying that, no? He was showing off his coat, therefore he was very proud. I said, Baba, somebody was showing up to you and then more. <laughs> you see, so what, what does God have to do? God has to take you through a process. A process where you will learn to stay on the straight and narrow path. That is also discipline. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, 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 endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardship. So God will allow 
And that's exactly what he allowed in his son's life. He could have given him the best education, but he did not. He could have put him in the best family, but he did not. Actually, in as far as he was concerned, it was the best family. Okay. Simple family, not much many resources. Where was he born? In a manger. That's what it, that's what it's called. It's called divine conspiracy. God putting his son through the process of chastening right from the beginning. So that what? My son do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest discourage when you are rebuked by him. Why? Next verse. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And next verse is very powerful. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. And verse 8. If you do not, are not chastening, you have become what? Illegitimate children. You know what in the Hindi is? Najayas, Allah. That's what, exactly what the word is. Najayas. You know what Najayas means, right? Illegitimate. Akkarma Santanam. In other words, in, in, in Telugu. We don't like those words, but he says, yes, you are Akkarma Santanam. Najayas. Illegitimate. So you have to go through this process of discipline. And what is that process? One of, one of the things, if you turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 5, please. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6 onwards. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6. 7 onwards. 7, 7, 7. Yeah. 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. And then, though he was a son, look at what is next verse. Yet he, what? Learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Okay. So the second process is what? The process of disciplining. So that you can be conformed to the image of his son. Situations, trials. And most of the times, I'll tell you something. It is when people say something wrong about you, how you respond. What I say? When people say something wrong about you. I'm seeing people, big, big, big men of God. When somebody says something wrong about them, they start crying. I don't want to mention names. And what did you expect when you come to the ministry? Everybody will say good things about you? What do you think? First Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Onwards. Yeah, actually, verse 18 is good. It's good, no? Verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. I like that. What fear? All fear. There's all wisdom. There's all fear. There's all grace. The God of all grace. The God of all comfort. The God of all wisdom. And there's a God of, with all fear. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. Kya baat for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit it is, when you are beaten for your fault, faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Why? Verse 21. For to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered. What did, what did Christ learn through suffering? He learned obedience. And what is the obedience? Leaving as an example that you should follow his tips. What is his obedience? Who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. Next verse. Who when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he committed himself to the one who judges 
righteously. Actually, the other translations will uh, will say in ESV says he continued entrusting himself to the one who will judge righteously, who himself bore our sins on his body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes we are here. So this is essentially what it is. That is the reason why blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And the word for offend, you know what it is. Scandal. That's the reason I ask you people, you know, what is not your IQ? Hmm, what is your SQ? What is SQ? Scandal quotient. How much I can subtract you? <laughs> see, in other words, see, what is division? Repeated? Subtraction. Number of times I can subtract from you is equal to the quotient, right? So number of times I can subtract your reputation wrongfully is equal to your scandal quotient. So slowly, slowly, every step of the way, Jesus' reputation was slowly stripped. Exactly what happened to Moses, uh, to, uh, to Joseph. First, his garments were taken off. What garments? The garments that he has his father's approval was taken off. First subtraction. Then Potiphar took away his, her, his garments. Second subtraction. Okay. He was subtracted till the, till that point and then finally he was exalted. The amount of subtraction that can happen to you will directly be, will give you the amount of glory that you can receive on the other side. You see? So, what is your scandal quotient? How much of the scandals can you actually tolerate? Everybody say, you know what? You can smite me, you can beat me, I can tolerate it, but if you say one word which is wrong, I can't tolerate. But that is where you have to tolerate. Why? It says, blessed are you when people call you all kinds of things for my sake. What should you do? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Okay, so we go through discipline is the second part. Okay, then let's go to another place. Turn, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 now, verse 20, because we're talking about renewal. How do we, how do we get this uh, process of renewal? Verse 20 onwards. But you have not so learnt Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So ultimately, even as we read the Bible, who's teaching us? We have been, we have heard Jesus and we have been taught by Jesus. Okay? That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful desires. And verse 23 is very important. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is what we call as the attitude of your mind. Spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and in holiness. So he says, put off the old man which is growing corrupt. Okay? And put on the new man. Be- between putting off the old man and putting off the new man, there's something called as a renewal again. What is a renewal? The renewal is in the attitude of your mind. Okay? Now, towards what your attitude has to change is a question. Okay? Let's, same passage, let's read from verse um, uh, the next verse onwards. Okay, verse 25 onwards. Verse 25. Look at what it says. Therefore, put away lying. And this is interesting. It's in inverted commas, right? Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one of the first. You can stop there. Just what verse 25. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Again, as I said, what does this mean? We have to create an ambience in our church or wherever we are as a body where trust is maintained and developed. Okay. What did I say? 
trust is maintained and developed and maintained. Trust meaning I'm talking about not trust based upon lies because even mafia they have trust. You're talking about trust based upon truth. Okay. Creating an environment where you develop trust based upon truth. Okay. That is, that is what we mean uh, speaking the truth one to another. We are creating an ambience where Peter can trust me implicitly and I can trust Peter because I know Peter has my best interests and I have his best interests. Okay. If you've read the book uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. No? Have you read the book? If you've read the book. You know what he says now? David Wood says the reason why we had contradictory worldviews Okay, but still we were able to be, be friends and especially David used to say, you know what, I was able to, uh, Nabil's testimony about David, I knew that David was contradicting me on, on all my beliefs. He was contradicting me on my own by beliefs, but one thing I always knew, that he had my best interests in mind. He has my best interest. He was blasting away at my foundations. He was saying, you know what? This is wrong about Islam. 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 And you know what? He was constantly saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. You know, when, when people say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, you get actually get offended. But you know what he says? I began to trust him simply because I knew that he had my best interests. You know, recently I was uh, looking at a video of David Woodard. One of my favorite pastimes is to look at his interviews. Okay, In one of his interviews in the live, live chat, one of the guys in the live chat was saying, David, you are too harsh with Muslims. You should have a spirit of love. Okay. You should not uh, offend them the way you, the way you speak harshly. And you know, David Wood was giving him contradictory argument as to why, as to why he is using his methodology. And finally that guy got frustrated. The, the fellow was asking his questions. And he asked him, did you read the book Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus? David said, yeah, I read it. Do you know how Nabil Qureshi came to the Lord? Because he had a print called David Wood. And he said, Baba, that David Wood is me. <laughs> so when did conversion take place? There was an environment of trust that was built. And you know what? That is exactly the reason why he says in Ephesians chapter 4, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And it is a unity of faith and the unity of spirit. And what is faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there should be a unity of truth. That's what he says. Everybody should have the same mind, should speak the same uh, things and you have the same attitude. Why? Why? You have built an environment of mutual trust and you guard it with your life. And you tell God, if anyone breaks this, evict him. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 7. <laughs> you know this, no? Everybody knows. Read from verse 1 onwards, okay? Yes, read. But the children of Israel committed trespass against the accursed things. Why? For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burnt against Achan. No! Even the children of Israel. And you know what? He, it's a very painful lesson. It happened when the children of Israel were entering for the, into the promised land for the first time. And then again, you'll see in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Let's read from verses 1 onwards. Okay. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then go on. But Peter said, Ananias, 
why has satan filled your heart to lie to the holy spirit and keep back part of it and you know it what happened immediately what did what did holy spirit do he struck ananias dead and it says in verse 5 in verse 5 and ananias hearing these words fell down and breathed his last so great fear came upon so what is the first thing? Even you are being renewed in the attitude of mind. In other words, create an environment. Create an environment. Have an attitude where you own and win the trust of your friend, of the church, of your leadership. You know, I used to tell Pastor Eric, you know, we used to have discussions. I used to tell him, one of the things I used to tell him, one of the things that I learned, and we used to agree on that. He said, Vijay, I used to tell Eric, one of the things that we as people who are called into ministry have to strive is to earn the trust of our leadership. To earn the trust of our leadership. People think just because they walk into the church, people should trust them. No, it's not going to happen. It's a process. And whenever you allow people who have not been tested, you know what's going to happen? <laughs> Trouble. That is the reason why he says people who are called into the eldership should not be a recent convert. you know that? Not only a recent convert, you should also not be a recent addition to the church. He has to be proved. He has to prove his loyalty. God loves everybody. But God does not trust everybody. <laughs> that is the reason why he says, when they saw the miracles of Jesus, everybody believed in Jesus. But Jesus in his part did not entrust himself to them. You know why? Because he knew in what was in all men. It's very important. Can God entrust himself to you? Is a question. Yeah, I trust God. But God trusts you? <laughs> That's the question. So what is he saying? He's saying you have to create an environment of what? Of trust. He says, go back there to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse uh, uh, 25. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Therefore, we have to create an environment of trust. And how that how is that environment uh, created? By submitting ourselves to the truth. Same uh, book, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 onwards. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 onwards. Okay? And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that till we all, you see the word all? Okay? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the whole purpose of the ministry of the word. So that we all together Okay, so that when we start doing it and we start living this life, what happens? We build a life, an environment of trust. In other words, Sami can come to me and he can confess his faults with me. Why? Love covers a multitude of sins. But what does a slanderer do? He uncovers. But over a period of time, what have, what have I done? What have I done in my in my uh, in my uh, relationship with uh, with uh, with Sam? I have built the trust. You see. And I, I, I know young people who used to uh, make me as one of their accountability partners. Why? Simply because I know, because they know that this guy can be trusted. And if I go and tell him certain things that I've gone through, he's not going to reveal, reveal it to everybody, but he's going to help me to come through this process of struggle so that I can be made clean. That is the reason why confess your faults to one another so that you may be what? Healed. You understand? So what? First thing, first thing, all of us, in order to have this renewed mind, you have to create an environment of trust. 
It is incumbent upon Peter that he has, he builds his trust with me and it is incumbent upon me so that Peter can trust me. Okay? Got it? Everybody? That is the reason why if you go to 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 and 8. 7 and 8. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 and 8. Hmm? But the end of all things is at hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers and above all things have what? Fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins. You see that beautiful thing? Okay? Got it everybody? And again, first Peter, uh, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Sorry. James chapter 5 and verse 19. Brethren, If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, look at what what happens, verse 20. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. So look at look 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 at how this has actually happened. If you put first Peter chapter 4 verse 8 and James chapter 5 verses 19 and 22 together, you'll you'll understand. Let's go back to first Peter chapter 4 verse 8. First Peter chapter 4 verse 8 first. Above all things have fervent love one for another for love will cover a multitude of sins. In other words, when people love each other fervently, they know that they have won the trust of the other person. Okay, and then James chapter 5 verses 18, brethren, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, what does he do? Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will have a, will, will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So this is how it happens. There is love and there is truth. Just because you are loving that person, you will not, will you not speak the truth? No, you will speak the truth. That is the reason how do we speak the truth? We speak the truth in love. Somebody said, no, if you do not love without speaking the truth, you are not loving. If you are not speak, if you are speaking the truth without loving, you are not truthing. Got it? So both truth and love go together. And what does he say? He says, let create an environment where you trust one another. Speaking the truth always to one another. How does it happen? You create an environment of trust. You create an environment where you and I have each other's back. Each other's best interest in our heart and in our minds. And we are not looking for the other person to fall. We are actually saying, you know what? The other person should be built up. You see? We are not in competition with one another. We say we are running each uh, the race that is marked before us by helping one another. See? Helping one another is also a part of our race. You understand? So these are the mistakes we make. We all of us made. You know, we are zeal to correct the other person. We go and give them some gyan and finally that fellow will run, run away from the church. But what are you supposed to do? First, build his trust. Once he knows that we have his trust, we speak the truth to him. That's exactly what Jesus did. You know how he built a trust with Peter? He gave him a catch. Take this catch, Macha. The best catch of his life. <laughs> Lord, forgive me for my sin. Okay, now. For, don't be afraid. I will make you Fish, you will catch from now on, you will catch men. And they left their nets and followed him. You know, how did they leave their nets and follow him just like that? You know, they, they knew if I follow this man, I will never lose. I will never lose. He will never compromise on truth. One thing. But he will also love me through it all. So he won their trust 
And that's how they followed him. You understand? This is so important. The first thing, that is how we change our attitude. The attitude is, you know what? I have the best interest of my brother in my mind. If you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter, if you have the NIV, please, don't mind. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Mm. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, onwards. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, onwards. Uh, is it not there? Okay, shucks, man. This is the old NIV. This is the NIV UK, okay? Let me read the new NIV, okay? The new, new NIV. There's a new international version and there's a new, new international version. Some, somebody was telling me something. The new international version had the maximum amount of research done on it. Which is good and bad, okay? At the same time. So, but we have to be smart enough to think, to take what is important for us and to leave the rest, okay? It says in Philippians chapter 2, I'm reading from the new, new international version. In your relationships with one another. Look at that. In your attitude, it says here in this case, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So how do we have this mindset? If you learn, look look at verse 4. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of the others. This is how you create an environment of trust. Peter, I have your best interest in my heart. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do whatever it takes to help you. And even as I'm 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 helping you, I'm going to rebuke you. You see, I'll tell you, I tested it with my own children, okay? Again, I'm very tough with her. Very tough. Some some cases, okay. But one thing, till now at least, I hope it will continue. I don't want to boast. I don't want to count the chickens before they hatch. Alright? So, if I tell her something, she gets upset. But you know something? She comes back to you again. What does that mean? (laughs) She trusts you. In other words, she knows that the father has the best interest of the child. That is something we have to work on as parents too. Can be tough with your child, but you know they understand that this toughness is for them, good and not for their bad. And so of course, some rebels will say we want to go give, our, give us a property, and then they will go and one one day they will come to their senses and they will say in my father's house. Okay, but in your relationship with one another, have this mindset as Christ Jesus. What was the mindset? He was. It's other translation will use the word consider others better than you. In other words. Put others' interests before yours. So have the best interest so that that way you build an environment of what? Trust. You got it? Trust based upon truth and not lies. Okay, let's go back to the next one now. Turn, uh, go to Ephesians chapter 4. How do we have this uh, renewed mind? Chapter 4 and verse uh, 27, if I'm right. Yeah, 26. 26 and 27. 26 and 27. In your anger... Do not sin. First attitude of your mind is to have the best interest of others. That's exactly the reason why Jesus had the best interest for others, of his, of his people, of the people whom, whom he is saving. That's exactly the reason why when he was dying on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they did not know what they are doing. So because he was, he knew that he was having their best interest in his mind. Second is in your anger, do not sin. The second thing that we need to do in our attitude of our mind is to do what, what I call as anger management. What is that? Anger management. Okay. Because anger is a, is a very, very powerful emotion. You know, the maximum amount of energy is given to the things that you're angry about. You know that? Every movement in history started because people are angry about something. 
But anger is a tremendous energy which has to be channelized. Okay, that's what I call anger management. First thing when you're angry, you should ask as to why you're angry. If you're not angry, so that is the reason why. I know one preacher. I don't want to call him uh, one preacher. Uh, he said, Christians should not have no anger. That means they should have anger. It is not no anger. It is not blow anger. It is slow anger. No anger? No. Blow anger? No. Slow anger? Absolutely. Yes. What is slow anger meaning? It is anger in absolute control. Somebody said, what is meekness? Meekness is energy under control. That is meekness. Who is a meek guy? A person who has got all his energies under the control of the person who is actually riding him. It is like a horse. Horse has been broken. What is it? All its energies is under the control of the person who is riding it. Therefore, the second part of renewal is anger management. People are angry. So, first question we need to ask is, why are you angry? Because God himself asked this question. So, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 6 onwards, if you can put it in KJV, it's great. Because if you cannot give the reasons for your anger, who's there? You should not, you'll be given place to the who? Uh, to the devil, it says. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? In, English, in Telugu, ni Why is your face fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin, oh, look at this. sin lies at the door. Actually, the other translation is crouching at the door. <laughs> okay. And unto thee shall be is, 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 you see this? His what? His desire. That means sin is a who? Is a his. That means sin is a person. And thou shalt rule over him. Who is that him? Sin again. And then if, verse 8. But if you do not, but if you, okay, thou shalt, thou shalt rule. And then verse 8, what happens? And now Cain said to his brother, let's go to the field. And he was angry and he killed his brother. You know that. What is it? Anger directed at the wrong person. Whom should he direct anger against? Himself. Thank you very much. You got it. Therefore, my brethren, be slow to anger, quick to hear. So, So, what does God have to do? He has to give the right kind of anger and he has to manage that anger. Both he has to do. If you turn with me to John's Gospel chapter 2. We know this passage very well. John's Gospel chapter 2 <clears throat> verse 14 onwards. Okay. And found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and do- sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Okay, And he found in the temple those who sold oxen. And then verse 15, And when he made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the goats and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who... Isn't that interesting? Why is he saying it to the people who sold doves? You should ask this question. He didn't tell it to the money changers. He didn't tell it to the people who are selling sheep. 
He didn't tell it to the people who were selling oxen, but he told it to the people who were selling... Why? That is an important question you need to ask. I'll tell you why. People who cannot afford oxen will buy sheep. People who cannot afford sheep will buy turtle doves. That means the doves is for the who? For the poorest. You see that? And Jesus says, you fellows, this anger, you see, it is not no anger, it is not blow anger, it is slow anger, and the anger directed to the right person. He is not shouting at the money changers who are selling oxen and sheep. He is selling this fellow. These fellows are the most wicked. You know why? You are cheating the poorest among the people. You see, that is the reason why in one of the acts of repentance, you know what he says? He says, repentance, actually, if you look at the book of Jeremiah, it talks about repentance. He says, when you repent, your repent, the fruit of your repentance is how you treat the orphans and the widow. The fatherless and the widows. That means, when you have genuinely repented, your attitude toward those who are fatherless and the attitude of the weakest among you will completely change. Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. He said it to the people who sold doves. And the next verse, verse 17, and his disciples remembered what? The zeal for his, the house of the Lord was eating him up. This is what we call as anger under control. Not anger mismanagement, anger management. He had anger, but anger under control. Therefore, whenever somebody asks you why you are angry, you should be a give, you should be given you should be giving them a reason as to why you are angry. Otherwise, it's not going to be anger. It's going to be anger without knowledge. How do I know it? Turn to Romans chapter ten. <clears throat> Romans chapter ten, verses one one onwards. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. <laughs> zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And that is the reason why you know what Paul says. Everything okay, Simon? Should I give you a couple of minutes? <clears throat> he says, you have they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Why? Verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, what did they not do? Have not, that's the key word, submit. That is the reason why Paul says, as far as zeal is concerned, what was I doing? Ah, persecuting the church. <laughs> See, as far as righteousness is concerned, I was blameless. Righteousness of the law is concerned, I was blameless. As zeal, what was I doing? I was persecuting the church. What is happening? A tremendous anger, but that anger was totally misdirected and mismanaged. Now, what is God going to do? He is going to take the same anger and he is going to direct it to the right way, wherein he is not afraid to confront the apostle of the apostles. He withstood Peter to his face and said, because he is walking contrary to the path that was ordained. That is what I call 
anger mein. That is what we call as renewal of the mind. You've been confirmed where you are. You have anger, but you're managing your anger. You know why? Because young people are angry people. And I heard my one of my professors, no? When he used to grow up, when I was in the university, he used to tell us, if you are not angry now, you will never be angry in your life. For the right cause. He used to also take courses on humanities and social sciences. And he later on became the head of the Department of Humanities and Social Sciences in our university. Okay. And he said, when you are not, if you are not angry now, you will never be angry. In other words, if you really don't have the zeal for God now, you will never have the zeal for God ever. That is the reason why you need, we, like, we like Phineas, right? Phineas is a fantastic character. He said, he had the zeal of God. And he burned with passion for the passions that I was zealous for. What is it? Anger management. Genesis chapter 49, verse 5 to 7. Genesis chapter 49, verses 5 to 7. <clears throat> Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. You know what? <laughs> that is the reason why you know what God says. Surrender your instruments, the parts of your body, as instruments of righteousness. Now what is he saying? The instruments of cruelty is in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter into their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. In other words, such a church I want to be away from. What is a church? Angry church. For in their anger, they slew a man. You see, you see what in their angle in their zeal for whom? For their daughter, for their sister, they used deception and anger and they slaughtered an entire town. And in their self-will, you see that? The anger is controlled by their self. They hamstrung an ox. Okay. Cursed be their anger. Who's talking about this? This is actually the blessing of Jacob, not the curse of Jacob. This is what he says. He was blessing his children. Cursed be their anger for it is fierce and their wrath for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. That's exactly what happened to Levi. He never had any town anywhere. And he says, no possessions in the promised land. Who is your possession? The Lord is your possession and the Levites will be given towns. Special towns here and there everywhere. What did God do? He scattered them in Israel. But, 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 but later on. Now we call about how did God manage their anger. They had anger. They had zeal. Now what, what is God going to do? He's going to do anger management. Now turn to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 8 onwards. <clears throat> this, uh, the, the anger or the, the curse of Jacob being turned into a blessing. I like, I like that, no? End of Levi, he said, let your Thummim and your Urim be with you, be with your holy one. He's calling them a holy one. Whom you tested at Masa and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah. You know what the waters of Meribah and Masa are, okay? <coughs> Contention and rebellion. Who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers. What did he do? He strapped his sword on his thigh and he went and slaughtered all those people who were contrary to God. What is God doing now? Anger, management. For they have observed your word and kept your covenant. And the next verse, verse 8, verse 10. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your way. They shall put incense before you and hold burnt 
sacrifice in your altar. What did God do to them? He controlled their anger. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they shall not rise again. What is God doing? He's doing what we call as anger management. Don't let your son grow down on your anger, meaning no, for, the, for what reason are you angry? Is it for the right cause? Are you angry, angry at the devil or are you angry at your wife? Angry at your flesh and your sin? Or are you angry at somebody who was causing that sin? <laughs> he caused it. If he was not there in my life, I would have been so good. So what God is trying to, what God has to do, he has to do what we call as anger management. It's all a part of, it's all a part of what? It's a part of what? Renewing the attitude of your mind. So in the attitude, what, what do you do? First thing, you create an environment of trust. Second thing, what we call as, we do anger management. Third thing, let's go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Verse 28, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. <clears throat> Otherwise you give a space to the devil, okay? <clears throat> Let him who stole, steal no longer. The word for stole is klepto, I told you, no, klepto. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him that is that has need. In other words, next attitude is, Lord, make me a person who's hard working, so that I can be a blessing. Proverbs chapter ten, please. Proverbs chapter ten. I'll give you the exact verse. I didn't put it there. <clears throat> Verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in a harvest is a son who causes shame. Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 6 onwards. Go to the ant you sluggard. Consider her her ways and be wise. What did, you, what did she do? Having no captain, no overseer or no ruler. What does she do? It gathers her food. Sorry, supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber? Oh sluggard, when will you rise from your bed? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands. So everything is... Cont- so first thing is building an environment of trust. Second thing is anger management. Third thing is sleep management. Everybody say that? Ah, sleep. Sleep management. Okay. Early in the morning, 7.30 is not early in the morning. <laughs> of course, unless until, until of course you have a night shift and you have to work till 4 in the morning, then 7.30 is early in the morning. Okay, because people nowadays have weird timings. We are not putting any law you know, very interesting, it says, I sent you my prophets, how? Huh? Rising early. That means a prophet has to rise early. It's very important. I mean, whenever, whenever, whenever I hear that word, I still get frustrated. A prophet, if you want to be a prophet, you have to rise up early. And Jesus was the prophet. And when did he rise up? Early before dawn, before everybody woke up, he woke up. Sleep management, macha. <laughs> and this has to be prolonged. See, a lot of people, they work hard to sleep long. 
and we had to do early retirement and we had to sleep long no 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 you see in fact i think it was uh, john wesley he said if i today lord laziness has crept into my bones you know why because i slept one hour extra how long do you sleep john wesley 4 hours today has left for <laughs> my goodness no wonder that man changed shook nations and changed the history of the church how many miles in horseback some hundreds and thousands of miles on horseback no back pain today we drive cars and we have back pain those those can you imagine what kind of a fitness he had at that age on horseback thousands of miles you see so you have to change our attitude towards sleep that is the reason why he says if you have not worked you should not eat you should learn to work hard this is also part of your renewed mind baba okay. this is something which because god is a worker he says my father and i have been working from the beginning they have not taken rest till now <laughs> they are i don't know whether they are going to take rest in eternity also he rested from his creative work but his redemptive work right from the time adam fell this redemption work is is going on and on and on is continuing let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor and that's exactly what the grace of god teaches us what does the grace of god teaches 1 corinthians chapter 15 verse 6 onwards if i'm right if i'm right yeah 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, 15 verse 6 onwards yeah see 7 onwards 7 7 yeah so <clears throat> after that he was seen by James then by all the apostles and then last all he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time and then for i am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because i persecuted the church but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace toward me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly than they all yet not i but the grace of god which is in me in other words if you have been a recipient of god's grace you are what hard worker you work hard you see there's a labor okay and you don't complain and in telugu you know there's a saying kashtapadi panjela gaani ishtapadi panju you know what it means right ishtapadi ante if you really love something your labor is not even there like for example uh, jacob loved rachel and it considered or it was just like what few days because of his love for rachel but he says you know what i did not give eyes uh, sleep to my eyes i labored night and day but for rachel's sake seven years nothing nothing that is the reason why paul calls it light and mm, for many many of us work is an affliction okay so let him who stole steal no longer so don't steal from your company what do you how do you steal time from your company but rather labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give to him that who has the whole purpose of laboring is not to hoard again i know i've seen a lot of people i worked so hard for my this thing why should i give to the church <laughs> baba it is god who gives you the strength to gain wealth if god were to take away your his hand of mercy and grace from your life you will be a pauper of the first order okay 
people have no idea what they're speaking when they're talking when they say certain things, you know. They have no idea. All the hard work I should give to somebody else. Just imagine if Jesus would have said that. I'm going to die for these people. How many are going to save? I don't know. It says, even his 11 disciples forsook him when he was on the cross. What a waste you'll say, no? That is what is called prodigal. It is not a prodigal son. It is a prodigal father. You know that? He literally wasted his resources on us. And we have a problem. Oh, all my hard work. Why should I give it to others? What are you even talking about? You haven't not, you have not been touched by grace, my dear brothers and sisters. Whoever that person is. He was yours to hear. Let him hear. Let him who stole, steal no longer, but rather let him give. That's an again, our attitude. It's an attitude of a mind. Again, it's in the, it's in the mind. It's in the mind. That's the reason why he says in Colossians, don't work as men pleasers, but as you, who's your master? Because God is your master. You'll receive a reward from him, not from your company. Company gives you a salary. God gives you a, a reward, eternal. Verse 29, Ephesians. <clears throat> Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for edification, that not which builds the other persons off, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Look at this, my dear brothers and sisters. Law came through Moses, huh? and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Is that interesting? Law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now look at what he says over here. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Okay, let us, let us, let us put my name over there, okay? Let no corrupt word proceed of, out of Vijay's mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that Vijay may impart grace to his hearers. Law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and also through Vijay. You see that? In other words, you have the capacity to impart grace to others. So that you can strengthen the other person. What what causes us to overcome sin? Grace causes us to overcome sin. What causes us to say no to sin and yes to godliness? Grace causes us to teach. And who can impart that? You and I. But how does that happen? But not allowing any corrupt word proceed from my mouth. But if corrupt word should not proceed out of my mouth, what should be there in my mouth? This book of the law should not be should not depart from your mouth. So let, let, let's turn to Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. <clears throat> and let's stop. This is the last verse and we will stop. Okay. Let the word of Christ ah, dwell in you. What? Richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace. You see that? In your hearts to the Lord. You see that? How beautiful and how fantastically connected these verses are. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you so that you have something to impart. That is what he, that's what, that's what he says. Morning by morning he awakens me as, so that I can hear as a one who's a disciple so that I can have a what? The tongue of the instructed so that I can strengthen those who are weary. So that I can impart a word of encouragement or exhortation or rebuke or correction or grace. And in through all this, what am I doing? I am imparting grace. So how, what should happen? They let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Okay. That is how you renew the attitude of your mind. Your attitude towards what? 
creating an environment of trust between brothers second anger management third sleep management fourth word management speech management everything is what management you don't have to go to mba come to church we'll give you all this management classes for free and in all this the most important the underlying ungirding thing in verse 30 is the most important and that's it colossians ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 and we will stop for today and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption okay do not grieve him because ultimately who is the one who is actually going to rot this process of renewal it's through the spirit if one turns to the spirit let's to look at the last verse to second corinthians chapter 3 second corinthians chapter 3 <clears throat> for today and we will stop verse 12 onwards yeah yeah actually 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 uh, chapter 3 of second uh, corinthians and verse 15 onwards okay 15 that's enough but even to this day when moses is read a veil lies on their heart nevertheless when one turns to the lord the veil is taken away <clears throat> now the lord is the spirit so if you grieve the grieve the holy spirit that means the lord is not the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty and when this happens but we all with what unveiled face you know what what veils unveiled face ka matlab kya hai this transparency basically beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the lord and therefore do not grieve the holy spirit ultimately who's going to rot all this process it is the holy spirit therefore lord the deposit of the holy spirit which is entrusted into my hands let it only increase and not reduce because samson did not know that the spirit of the lord departed from him the most saddest statements in first samuel is the spirit of the lord came upon david and the spirit of the lord departed from saul and and evil spirit from the lord tormented him right he was he grieved the holy spirit of god and when do we grieve the holy spirit of god when we do not believe and do not obey <clears throat> so we looked at four managements okay trust management <laughs> anger management anger management sleep management speech management all under the control of the holy spirit who's managing all this holy spirit and you know what will happen you will have a rich deposit as, as a, what i call the thesaurus okay out of your treasure will come good things i mean old things and new things old things and new things but what is what is your heart full of that is exactly what will come so that thesaurus let that deposit increase and not reduce so this morning even as we are in the 14th year let's ask god to renew us in the attitude of our mind so that we will be transformed a little more into the image of his son amen so the whole purpose is of teaching is to teach us to be a son and not a slave okay so i try to today's teaching as learning to be a son 
learning to be a son. Because Moses was faithful as a servant, but we in the new covenant should be faithful as sons like Jesus and not as slaves or servants. <coughs> Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. Such an awesome God. <coughs> Your mercy endures forever. Enable us, Lord Father, to win the trust of one another. Not by deceiving one another, but by speaking the truth to one another, having the best interests of one another. Speaking the truth in love. Enable us, Lord Father, to be angry at things which cause you to get angry. Let us be broken so that we can manage our anger under the control of the Holy Spirit. Enable us to be those people who will work hard so that through our hard work and labor we can bless others. For your son, when he came, he labored for 30 years as a carpenter. As a carpenter's son and even as a carpenter. He blessed his family. And through his work on the cross, he blessed us eternally. And that's exactly what he said. I have a food that you do not know of. My food is to, is to do the will of the one who sent me. And to finish his work. And within the stipulated time, and through his labor and hard work, he finished the work that was entrusted into his hand. And through that, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who believe in him. And therefore, enable us to be people who will be hardworking, who will manage our sleep. And Lord, we enable us to be those people who through our words will encourage and build others up. All these are part of the attitude of the man. It's all this, all these is a part of the renewed man, the, the man who's being transformed into the image of his son. All this is possible only through the power of the Holy Spirit and therefore enable us never to grieve the Holy Spirit of God through which we have been sealed unto the day of redemption. To that end, I pray that you would bless us and make this teaching relevant to every situation that we are going through in our lives. And transform us, O oh Lord, a little more this morning and through the coming days into the likeness of your Son. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. And see you all in the evening for the evening service.